Right. Marvelous was a matter which came to pass in my youth. I lived in Damascus of Syria, studying my art. And one day, as I was sitting at home, behold, there came to me a Mameluk from the household of the Sihab, and said to me, Speak with my lord. So I followed him to the viceroy's house, and entering the great hall, saw at its head a couch of cedar, plated with gold, wherein lay a sickly youth, beautiful withal, fairer than he could not see. I sat down by his head and prayed to heaven for a cure, and he made me a sign with his eyes. So I said to him, O my lord, favor me with thy hand, and safety be with thee. Then he put forth his left hand, and I marveled thereat and said, By Allah, stranger at this handsome youth, the son of a great house, should so lack good manners. This can be nothing but pride and conceit. However, I felt his pulse and wrote him a prescription, and continued to visit him for ten days, at the end of which time he recovered and went to Haman, whereupon the viceroy gave me a handsome dress of honor, and appointed me a superintendent of the hospital, which is in Damascus. I accompanied him to the baths, the hold of which he kept private for his accommodation. And the servants came in with him and took off his clothes within the bath. And when he was stripped, I saw that his right hand had been newly cut off, and this was the cause of his weakliness. At this I was amazed and grieved with him. Then, looking at his body, I saw the scars of a scourge stripes, whereto he had applied unguents. I was troubled at the sight, and my concern appeared in my face. The young man looked at me, and, comprehending the matter, said, O physician of the age, marvel not at my case. I will tell thee my story as soon as the quit demands. Then we washed, and, returning to his house, ate somewhat of food, and took rest a while, after which he asked me, What sayest thou to solacing me by inspecting this upper hall? And I answered, So let it be. Thereupon he ordered the slaves to carry out the carpets and cushions required to roast the lamb, and bring us some fruit. Thereupon he ordered the slaves to carry out the carpets and cushions required, and roast a lamb and bring us some fruit. They did his bidding, and we ate together, he using the left hand for that purpose. After a while I said to him, Now, tell me thy tale. O physician of the age, replied he, hear what befell me. Know that I am of the sons of Mosul, where my grandfather died, leaving nine children, of whom my father was the eldest. All grew up and took to them wives, but none of them was blessed with offspring, except for my father, to whom providence vouchsafed me. So I grew up amongst my uncles, who rejoiced in me with exceeding joy, till I came to man's estate. One day, which happened to be a Friday, I went to the cathedral mosque of Mosul with my father and my uncles, and we prayed the congressional prayers, after which the folk went forth, except my father and uncles, who sat talking of wondrous things in foreign parts and the marvelous sights of strange cities. At last they mentioned Egypt, and one of my uncles said, Travelers tell us that there is not on earth's face aught fairer than Cairo and her Nile. And these words made me long to see Cairo. Quoth my father, Whoso hath not seen Cairo, hath not seen the world. Her dust is golden, and her Nile a miracle holden, and her women are as whore as fair. Puppets, beautiful pictures, her houses are palaces rare, her water is sweet and light, and her mud a commodity and a medicine beyond compare. Even as said the poet in this his poetry, The Nile flood this day is the gain you own. 
you alone in such gain and bounties won. The Nile is my tear flood of severance, and here none is forlorn but I alone. Moreover, temperature is her air, and with fragrance blent, which surpasseth aloes wood in scent. And how should it be otherwise, she being the mother of the world? And Allah favor him who wrote these lines. And I quit Cairo and her pleasurances. Where can I went to find so gladsome ways? Shall I desert that sight whose grateful sense? Joy every soul and call for loudest praise. Where every palace as another Eden. Carpets and cushions richly wrought displays. A city wooing sight and sprite to glee. Where saint meets sinner and each joys his craze. Where friend meets friend by providence united. In greeny garden and in palmy maze. People of Cairo, and by Allah's doom, I fare with you in thoughts I won always. Whisper not Cairo in the ear of Zephyr, lest for her like a garden sense he reave her. And if your eyes saw her earth, and the adornment thereof with bloom, and the purifying of it with all manner blossoms, and the islands of the Nile, and how much is therein of widespread and goodly prospect. And if you bent your sight upon the Abysnian pond, your glance would not revert from the same quit of wonder. For nowhere would you behold the fellow of that lovely view. And indeed, the two arms of the Nile embrace most luxuriant verdure, as the white of the eye encompasseth its black, or like filigreed silver surrounding chrysolites. And divinely gifted was the poet who there anent said these couplets. By the Abysnian pond, O day divine, in morning twilight and in sunny shine, the water prisoned in its virtuous walls, like saber flashes before shrinking eyne. And in the garden sat we while it drains. Slow drought with purfled sides died finest vine. The stream is rippled by the hands of the clouds. We too are rippling on our rugs recline. Passing pure wine, and whoso leaves us there shall ne'er arise from fall his woe's design. Draining long droughts from large and brimming bowls. Administering thirst only medicine, medicine, wine. And what is there to compare with the rasad, the observatory, and its charms whereof each viewer as he approacheth saith, Verily this spot is specialized with all manner of excellence. And if thou speak of the night of Nile full, give the rainbow and distribute it. And if thou behold the garden at eventide, with the cool shade sloping far and wide, a marvel thou wouldst see, and wouldst incline to Egypt in ecstasy. And wert thou by Cairo's riverside, when the sun is sinking, and the stream dons mail coat and haberdashery over its other vestments, thou wouldst be quickened to new life by its gentle zephyrs, and by its all-sufficient shade. So spake he, and the rest fell to describing Egypt and her Nile. As I heard their accounts, my thoughts dwelt upon the subject. And when, after talking their fill, all arose and went their ways, I lay down to sleep that night, 
but sleep cannot because of my violent longing for evil. I neither mean to please me nor drink. After a few days, my uncles equipped themselves for a trade journey to Egypt, and I wept before my father till he made ready for me fitting merchandise, and he consented to my going with them, saying, however, Let him not enter Cairo, but leave him to sell his wares at Damascus. So I took leave of my father, and we fared forth from Masur, and gave not to the traveling till we reached Aleppo, where we halted certain days. Then we marched on till we made Damascus, and we found her a city as though she were a paradise, abounding in trees and streams and birds and fruits of all kinds. We lighted at one of the camps, where my uncles carried a while selling them by, and they bought and sold also on my account, each stone turning a profit of five on prime cost, which pleased me mightily. After this, they left me alone and set their faces eastwards, while I abode at Damascus, where I had hired from the Jura for two dinars a month, a mansion whose beauties were beggar the tongue. Here I remained, eating and drinking and spending what monies I had in hand, till, one day, as I was sitting at the door of my house, behold, there came up a young lady clad in costliest raiment. Never saw my eyes richer. I winked at her, and she stepped inside without hesitation and stood within. I entered with her and shut the door upon myself and her, whereupon she raised her face veil and threw out her light, when I found her like a pictured moon of rare and marvelous loveliness, and love of her got hold of my heart. So I rose and brought a tray of the most delicate eatables and fruits and what so befitted the occasion, and we ate and played, and after that we drank till the wine turned our heads. Then I lay with her the sweetest of nights, and in the morning I offered her ten gold pieces. When her face lowered and her eyebrows wrinkled and shaking with wrath, she cried, Fie upon thee, O my sweet companion! Dost thou deem that I covet thy money? Then she took out from the bosom of her shift fifteen dinars, and, laying them before me, said, By Allah, unless thou take them, I will never come back to thee. So I accepted them, and she said to me, Oh, my beloved, expect me again in three days' time, when I will be with thee between sunset and supper time, and do thou prepare us with these dinars the same entertainment as yesternight. So saying, she took leave of me, I went away, and all my senses went with her. On the third day she came again, clad in stuff with gold wine, and wear raiment and ornaments. I prepared the place for her, and here she arrived, and the repast was ready. So we ate and drank and lay together, as we had done, till the morning, when she gave me other fifteen gold pieces, and promised to come again after three days. Accordingly, I made ready for her, and, at the appointed time, she presented herself more richly dressed than on the first and second occasions, and said to me, Oh, my lord, am I not beautiful? Yea, by Allah thou art, answered I. And she went on. Wilt thou allow me to bring with me a young lady fairer than I, and younger in years, that she may play with us, and thou and she may laugh and rejoice her heart? For she hath been very sad this long time past, and hath asked me to take her out and let her spend the night abroad with me. Yea, by Allah, I replied, and we drank till the wine turned our heads, and slept in the morning. And she gave me another fifteen minutes, saying, Add something to thy usual provision on account of the young lady who will come with me. Then she went away, and on the fourth day I made ready the house as usual, and soon after sunset, oh, 
Notre-Dame's and Henry Lab have Antilla. They entered and sat down, and when I saw them, I repeated these verses. How dear is our day, and how lucky our lot, when the cynic's away with his tongue malign. When love and delights and the swimming of head is sent to cleverness trotting the best book of wine. When the full moon shines from the cloudy veil, and the branchlet sways in her greens that shine. When the red rose mantles in freshest cheek, and the sister's oak is love sublime. When pleasure with those I love is so sweet, when friendship with those I love is complete. I rejoiced to see them, and lighted the candles after receiving them with gladness of the light. They doffed their heavy outer dresses, and the dude damsel uncovered her face, when I saw that she was like the moon at its full. Never beheld I aught more beautiful. Then I rose and set meat and drink before them, and we ate and drank, and I kept giving mouthfuls to the newcomer, crowning her cup and drinking it until the first damsel, waxing inwardly jealous, asked me, By Allah, is she not more delicious than I? Whereto I answered, I, by the Lord. It is my wish that thou lie with her for this night, for I am thy mistress. But she is our visitor. Upon my head be it, and my eyes. Then she rose and spread the carpets for our bed, and I took the young lady and laid her from that night to the morning. When I awoke, I found myself wet, as I thought, with sweat. I sat up and tried to arouse the damsel, but when I shook her by the shoulders, my hand became crimson with blood, and her head rolled off the pillow. Thereupon my senses fled, and I cried aloud, saying, O all-powerful protector, grant me thy protection. Then, finding her neck had been severed, I sprung up, and the world waxed black before my eyes, and I looked for the lady, my former love, but could not find her. So I knew that it was she who had murdered the damsel in her jealousy, and said, There is no majesty, and there is no might saving Allah, the glorious, the great. What is to be done now? I considered a while, then, doffing my clothes, dug a hole in the middle of the courtyard, wherein I laid the murdered girl with her jewelry and golden ornaments, and throwing back the earth on her, replaced the slabs of the marble pavement. After this, I made the crucible or total ablution, and put on pure clothes. Then, taking what money I had left, locked up the house and summoned her, and went to the hospital where I paid the years rent, saying, I am about to come out of this entire made inquiries and sought for me, but hearing no tidings, they said, He will have gone back to Damascus. When they departed, I came forth from my hiding place, and abode in Cairo three years, until naught remained of my money. Now, every year, I used to send the rent of the Damascus house to its owner, until at last I had nothing left but enough to pay him for one year's rent, and my breast was straightened. So I traveled to Damascus, and alighted at the house whose owner, the jeweler, was glad to see me and I found everything locked up as I had left it. I opened the closets and took out my clothes and necessaries, and came upon, beneath the carpet bed whereon I had lain that night with the girl who had been beheaded, a golden necklace set with ten gems of passing beauty. I took it up, and, cleansing it of the blood, sat gazing upon it, and wept a while. 
Then I abode in the house two days, and on the third I entered the hammam and changed my clothes. I had no money by me now, so Satan whispered temptation to me that the decree of destiny be carried out. Next day I took the jewel necklace to the bazaar and handed it to a broker who made me sit down at the shop of the jewel, my landlord, and bade me have patience till the market was full. When he carried off the ornament and proclaimed it for sale, privily and without my knowledge, the necklace was prized as worth two thousand dinars. But the broker returned to me and said, "This color is of copper, a mere counterfeit, after the fashion of the Franks, and a thousand dirhams have been bidden for it." Yes, I answered. I knew it to be copper, as we had it made for a certain person that we might mock her. Now my wife hath inherited it, and we wish to sell it. So go, and take over the thousand dirhams. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the twenty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the beautiful youth said to the broker, Take over the thousand dirhams. And when the broker heard this, he knew that the case was suspicious. So he carried the collar to the syndic of the bazaar, and the syndic took it to the governor, who was also prefect of police, and said to him falsely enough, This So before I was aware of it, the watch got round me and, making me their prisoner, carried me before the governor, who questioned me of the collar. I told him the tale I had told to the broker, but he laughed and said, <laughs> These words are not true. Then, before I knew what was doing, the guard stripped off my clothes and came down with palm rods upon my ribs, till, for the smart of the stick, I confessed, it was I who stole it, saying to myself, it is better for thee to say, I stole it, than to let them know that its owner was murdered in thy house, for then they will slay thee to avenge her. So they wrote down that I had stolen it, and they cut off my hand and scolded the stomach. When I swooned away for the pain, but they gave me wine to drink, and I recovered, and, taking up my hand, was going to my fine house, when my landlord said to me, Inasmuch, O my son, as this hath befallen thee, thou must leave my house and look for another lodging for thee, since thou art convicted of theft. Thou art a handsome man, but who will pity thee after this? O my master, said I, bear with me but two days or three, till I find me another place. He answered, (sighs) So be it. And went away and left me. I returned to the house where I sat weeping and saying, How shall I go back to my own people with my hand lopped off, and they know not that I am innocent? Perchance, even after this, Allah may order some matter for me. And I wept with exceeding weeping. Grief beset me, and I remained in sore trouble for two days. But on the third day, my landlord came suddenly into me, and with him some of the guard and the syndic of the bazaar, who had falsely charged me with stealing the necklace. I went up to them and asked, What is the matter? However, they pinioned me without further parley, and threw a chain about my neck, saying, The necklet which was with thee had proved to be the property of the seal of Damascus. Also, I said, And they added, It was missing from his house three years When I heard these words, my heart sank within me, and I said to myself, Thy life is gone beyond a doubt. By Allah, needs must I tell the chief my story, and, if he will, let him kill me, and if he please, let him pardon me. So 
They carried me to the vizier's house and made me stand between his hands. When he saw me, he glanced at me out of the corner of his eye and said to those present, Why, why did you lop off his hand? This man is unfortunate. There is no fault in him. Indeed, you have wronged him in cutting off his hand. When I heard this, I took heart and, my soul presaging good, I said to him, By Allah, O my Lord, I am no thief, but they calumniated me with a vile calumny, and they scourged me midmost the market, bidding me confess till, for the pain of the rods, I lied against myself and confessed the theft, albeit I am altogether innocent of it. Quoth the Viserai, Fear not, no harm shall come to thee. Then he ordered the syndic of the bazaar to be imprisoned, and said to him, Give this man the blood money for his hand, and, if thou delay, I will hang thee and seize all thy property. Moreover, he called to his guards who took him and dragged him away, leaving me with the chief. Then they loosed by his command the chain from my neck and unbound my arms, and he looked at me and said, O oh, my son, be true with me, and tell me how this necklace came to thee. And he repeated these verses. Truth best befits thee, albeit truth shall bring thee to burn on the threatened fire. By Allah, O oh my lord, answered I, I will tell thee nothing but the truth. Then I related to him all that had passed between me and the first lady, and how she had brought me the second, and had slain her out of jealousy, and I detailed for him the tale to its full. When he heard my story, he shook his head, and stuck his right hand upon the left, and putting his kerchief over his face, wept a while, and then repeated, I see the woes of the world abound, and wordlings sick with spleen and teen. There's one who the meeting of two shall part, and who part not are few and far between. Then he turned to me and said, Know, O my son, that the elder damsel who first came to thee was my daughter whom I used to keep closely guarded. When she grew up I sent her to Cairo and married her to my brother's son. After a while he died and she came back, but she had learnt wantonness and ungraciousness from the people of Cairo. So she visited three, four times, and at last brought her younger sister. Now they were sisters, German, and much attached to each other. And when that adventure happened to the elder, she disclosed her secret to her sister who desired to go out with her. So. She asked thy leave and carried her to thee, after which she returned alone, and finding her weeping, I questioned her of her sister, but she said, I know nothing of her. However, she presently told her mother privily of what had happened and how she had cut off her sister's head, and her mother told me. Then she ceased not to weep and say, By Allah, I shall cry for her until I die. after that fashion. See then, O oh my son, what hath come to pass, and now I desire thee not to thwart me in what I am about to offer thee, and it is that I purpose to marry thee to my youngest daughter, for she is a virgin and born of another mother, and I will take no dower of thee, but on the contrary, I will appoint thee an allowance and 
thou shalt abide with me in my house in the stead of my son. So be it, I answered, and how could I hope for such good fortune? Then he sent at once for the Kazi and witnesses, and read right my marriage contract with his daughter, and I went in to her. Moreover, he got me from the syndic of the bazaar a large sum of money, and I became in high favor with him. During this year, news came to me that my father was dead, and the wazir dispatched a courier with letters bearing the royal signmen to fetch me the money which my father had left behind him. And now I am living in all the solace of life. Such was the manner of the cutting off of my right hand. I marveled at his story. Continued the Jew. And I abode with him three days, after which he gave me much wealth, and I set out and travelled eastward, till I reached this, your city, and the sojourn suited me right well. So I took up my abode here, and there befell me what thou knowest with the hunchback. Thereupon the king of China shook his head and said, This story of thine is not stranger and more wondrous and marvelous and delectable than the tale of the hunchback. And so needs must I hang the whole number of you. However, there yet remains the tailor, who is the head of all the offense. And he added, O tailor, if thou canst tell me anything more wonderful than the story of the hunchback, I will pardon you all your offenses. Thereupon the man came forth and began to tell the tale of the tailor. Know, O king of the age, that the most marvelous was that which befell me but yesterday. Before I forgathered with the hunchback, it so chanced that in the early day I was at a marriage of feast of one of my companions, who had gotten together in his house of some twenty of the handicraftsmen of the city, amongst them tailors and silk spinners and carpenters and others of the same kidney. As soon as the sun had risen, they set foot before us, that we might eat when behold, the master of the house entered, and with him a foreign youth, and well favored than the people of Baghdad, wearing clothes as handsome as handsome could be. And he was right of comely presence, save that he was lame with one leg. He came and saluted us, and stood up to receive him. But when he was about to sit down, he espied amongst us a certain man, which was a barber. Whereupon he refused to be seated. He would have gone away, but we stopped him, and, and our host also stayed him, making oaths should not leave us, and asked him, What is the reason of thy coming in and going out again at once? Where to be answered? By Allah, oh my lord, do not hinder me, for the cause of my turning back is yon barber of bad omen, yon black of his, yon ne'er-do-well. When the housemaster heard these words, he marked with extreme marvel and said, How cometh this young man, who hailed from Baghdad, to be so troubled and perplexed about this barber? Then he looked at the stranger and said, Explain this cause of thine anger against the barber. Oh, fair company, both of you, 
There befell me a strange adventure with his father in Baghdad. He was the cause of my breaking of my leg and of my lameness. And I have sworn never to sit in the same place with him, nor even tarry in any town where he happens to abide. And I have bidden adieu to Baghdad. I traveled far from it and come to stay in this your city. Yet I have hardly passed one night before I meet him again. For not another day shall go by ere I fare forth from here. Allah tell us the tale. And the youth replied, the father changing color from brown to yellow as he spoke. No, fair company, that my father was one of the great merchants of Bakta, and Almighty Allah had blessed him with no son but mother. When I grew up and reached Mount Estate, my father was received into the mercy of Allah, whose name be Elzabeth, and left me money and eunuchs, servants and slaves, and I used to dress well and diet well. Now, Allah has made me a hater of women kind, and one day, as I was walking along a street in Baghdad, a party of females made me face to face in the door footway. So I fled from them, and entering an alley, which was no thoroughfare, sat down upon a bench at its other end. I had not sat there long before the latticed window of one of the houses opposite was thrown open, and there appeared in it a young lady, as she were full of the moon in its fullest, never in my life saw I her life. And as she began to water some flowers on the windowsill, she turned right and left, and seeing me watching her, shut the window and went away. Thereupon, fire was suddenly enkindled in my heart. My mind was possessed with her, and my woman hate turned to woman love. I continued sitting there, lost to the world, till sunset, when lo, the Kazi of the city came riding by with his slaves before him and his eunuchs behind him, and uh, dismounting entered the house in which the damsel had appeared. By this I knew that uh, he was her father, so uh, I went home sorrowful and uh, cast myself upon my carpet bed in grief. Then my handmaids flocked in and sat about me, acknowledging what failed me. But I addressed no speech to them, and they wept and wailed over me. Presently in came an old woman, who looked at me and saw with a glance what was the matter with me. So she, by my head, spoke me fair, saying, Oh, my son, tell me all about it, and I will be the means of thy union with her. So I related to her what had happened. Oh, my son, this one is the daughter of the Kazi of Baghdad, who keepeth her in the closest seclusion, and the window where thou sawest her is her floor. Whilst her father occupies the large saloon in the lower story, she is often there alone, and I am wont to visit at the house, so thou shalt not win to her save through me. Now set thy wits to work and be of good cheer. With these words, she went away, and I took heart at what she said, and my people rejoiced that day, seeing me rise in the morning safe and sound. By and by, the old woman returned, looking chop on it and said, Oh, my son, do not ask me how I fared with her. When I told her that, she cried at me. If thou hold not thy peace, O hag of ill omen, and leave not such talk, I will entreat thee as thou deservest, and do thee die by the 
foulest of deaths. What needs must I have at her a second time? When I heard this, I added ailment to my ailment, and the neighbors visited me and judged that I was not long for this world. But after some days, the old woman came to me and, putting her mouth close to my ear, whispered, Oh, my son, I claim from thee the gift of good news. With this, my soul returned to me, and I said, Whatever thou wilt shall be thine. Thereupon she began. Yesterday I went to the young lady who, seeing me broken in spirit and shedding tears from reddened eyes, asked me, Oh, naughty mine, what ails thee that I see thy breast so straightened? And I answered her, weeping bitterly, Oh, my lady, I am just come from the house of a youth who loves thee and who is about to die for the sake of thee, quoth she, and her heart was softened. And who is this youth of whom thou speakest? And quoth I, he is to me as his son and the fruit of my vitals. He saw thee some days ago at the window watering thy flowers and espying thy face, and with he fell in love at first sight. I let him know what happened to me the last time I was with thee, whereupon his ailment increased. He took to the pillow, and he is not now but a dead man, and no doubt whatever of it. At this she turned pale and asked, All this for my sake? And I answered, Aye, by Allah, what wouldst thou have me do? Said she. Go back to him and greet him for me and tell him that I am twice more heartsick than he is. And on Friday, before the hour of public prayer, bid him here to the house, and I will come down and open the door for him. Then I will carry him up to my chamber and foregather with him for a while and let him depart before my father return from the mosque. When I heard the old woman's words, all my sickness suddenly fell from me. My anguish ceased and my heart was comforted. I took off what clothes were on me and gave them to her. And as she turned to go, she said, Keep a good heart. I have not a jot of sorrow left. My household and intimates rejoiced in my recovery, and I abode thus till Friday, when, behold, the old woman came in and asked me how I did, to which I answered that I was well and in good case. Then uh, I donned my clothes and perfumed myself and sat down to await the congregation going into prayers, that I might betake myself to her. But uh, the old woman said to me, Last time I despair, so that Thou wouldst do well to go to the Haman and have thy hair shaven off, especially after thy ailment, so as not to show traces of sickness. This is the best way. I have just now bathed in hot water, but I will have my head shaved. Then I said to my page, uh, Go to the bazaar, uh, bring me a barber, a discreet fellow, and not one inclined to meddling or impertinent curiosity or likely to split my head with excessive talk. Uh, the boy went out at once and brought back with him this wretched old man, this the sheikh of ill omen. When he came in, he saluted me and I returned the salutation. Then the quoting, I see thee thin of body. I have been ailing. Allah, drive far away from thee thy woe, and thy sorrow, and thy trouble, and thy distress. Allah, grant thy prayer. Oh, gladness to thee, O my master, for indeed, recovery is come to thee. Dost thou wish to be pulled, or to be blooded? Indeed, it was a tradition of Ibn Abbas. Allah accepted him, that the apostle said, Whoso And again, it is related of him also that he said, Coming on the Friday. 
Mom, uh, shave my head at once. Uh, what I can't stand it. So he rose and put forth his hand in most leisurely way. I took out a kerchief and unfolded it to know. It contained an astrolabe with several parallel plates mounted in silver. Then he went to the middle of the court and raised head and instrument towards the sun's rays and looked for a long while. When this was over, he came to me and said, Know that there have elapsed of this our day, which be Friday, and this Friday be the tenth of the month Safar, in the six hundred and fifty-third year since the Hegra, or flight of the Apostle, on whom be the bestest of blessings and peace, and the seven thousand three hundred and twentieth year of the era of Alexander, eight degrees and six minutes. Furthermore, the ascendant of this our day, according to the exactest science of computation, the planet Mars, and it so happeneth that Mercury is in conjunction with him, denoting an auspicious moment for haircutting. And this also maketh manifest to me that thou desireth a union with a certain person, and that your intercourse will not be proprietous. But after this, there occurreth a sign respecting a matter which will befall thee, and whereof I will not speak. Oh, thou, cried I, by Allah! Thou weariest me, and scattered my wits, and thy forecasts other than good. I sent for thee to pull my head, and nothing else. So up and shave me, and prolong not thy speech. By Allah, replied he, If thou but knew what is about to befall thee, thou wouldst do nothing this night, and I counsel thee to act as I tell thee by computation of the constellations. By Allah, said I, never did I see a barber who excelled in judicial astrology save thyself, but I think and I know that thou art most prodigal of frivolous talk. I sent for thee only to shave my head, but thou comest and pesterest me with this sorry prattle. What more wouldst thou have? Allah hath bounteously bestowed on thee a barber who is an astrologer, one learned in alchemy and white magic, syntax, grammar, and lexicology, the arts of logic, rhetoric, and elocution, mathematics, arithmetic, and algebra, astromancy and geometry, theology, the traditions of the apostle, and the commentaries on the Quran. Furthermore, I have read books galore and digested them, and have had experience of affairs and comprehended them. In short, I have learned the theory and the practice of all the arts and sciences. I know everything of them by rote, and I am a past master of in tota rescribly. Thy father loved me for my lack of officiousness, Argal, to serve thee as a religious duty incumbent on me. I am no busybody as thou seemest to suppose, and on this account I am known as the silent man, also the modest man. Wherefore it behoveth thee to render thanks to Allah Almighty, and not cross me, for I am a true counsellor to thee and benevolently minded towards thee. Would that I were in thy service a whole year, and thou mightest do me justice, and I would ask thee no way for all of this. When I heard a flow of words, I said to him, Ah, oh, doubtless thou wilt be my death this day. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the thirtieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O officious king, that the young man said to the barber, Thou certainly will be the death of me this very day. O master mine, I am he, the silent man height, by reason of the fewness of my words, to distinguish me from my six brothers. For the eldest is called Al-Bakbuk, the prattler, the second, Al-Hadar, the babbler, the third, Afakik, the gabbler, the fourth, his name is Al-Kuz Al-Aswani, the long-necked googlet from his eternal chattering, the fifth is Al-Nashar, the tattler and tale-teller, the sixth, Shakashik, or many clamors, and the seventh is famous as Al-Samit, the silent man. 
And this is my noble self. Well, he redoubled his talk. I thought my gallbladder was a burst. So I said to the servant, give him a quarter dinar and dismiss him and let him go for me in the name of God who made him. I won't have my head shaved today. What words be these, O Lord? By Allah, I will accept no hire of thee until I have served thee and have ministered to thee once. And I care not if I never take money of thee. If thou know not my quality, I know thine, and I owe thy father, an honest man, on whom Allah Almighty have mercy, many a kindness, for he was a liberal soul, and a generous. By Allah he sent for me one day, as it were this blessed day, and I went in to him and found a party of his intimates about him. Quoted he to me, Let me be blood. So I pulled out my astrolabe, and taking the sun's attitude for him, I ascertained that the ascendant was inauspicious, and the hour unfavorable for brooding. I told him of this, and he did according to my bidding, and waited for a better opportunity. So I made these lines in honor of him. I went to my patron, some blood to let him, but found that the moment was far from good. So I sat and I talked of all strangenesses, and with jests and jokes, his goodwill I wooed. They pleased him, and cried he, O man of wit, thou hast proved thee perfect and merry mood. Thou lord of men, save thou. Lend me art and wisdom, I am foo and wood. In thee gather grace, boon, bounty, and suavity, and I gird on the world with lore, science, and gravity. Thy father was delighted and cried out to the servant, Give him an hundred and three gold pieces with a robe of honor. The man obeyed his orders, and I waited an auspicious moment when I bloodied him, and he did not balk me, nay, he thanked me, and I was also thanked and praised by all present. When the bloodletting was over, I had no power to keep silence and asked him, By Allah, O my lord, what made thee say to thy servant, Give him a hundred and three dinars? And he answered, One dinar was for the astrological observation, another for thy pleasant conversation the third for the phlebotomization, and the remaining hundred and the dress were for thy verses in my commendation. May Allah show small mercy to my father for knowing the like of thee. There is no God but the God, and Muhammad is the apostle of God. Glory to him that changeth and is changed not. I took thee for a man of sense, but I see thou babblest and doteth for illness. Allah hath said in the blessed book, and in any case thou art excused. Yet I cannot conceive the cause of thy hurry and flurry, and thou must know that thy father and thy grandfather did nothing without consulting me, and indeed it hath been said truly enough, let the adviser be praised, and there is no vice in advice. And it is also said in certain saws, whoso hath no counselor elder than he, will never himself an elder be. And the poet says, Whatever needful thing thou undertake, Consult the experienced, and contrary him not. And indeed thou shalt never find a man better versed in affairs than I, and I am here standing on my feet to serve thee. I am not vexed with thee, why shouldest thou be vexed with me? But whatever happen, I will bear patiently with thee in memory of the much kindness thy father shewed me. By all at all, thou with tongue long and the tail of a jackass, there persistest in pestering me, and I pray, and thou becomest more loathsome in my long speeches, when all I want of thee is to shave my head and went thy way. Then he lathered my head, saying, I perceive thou art vexed with me, but I will not take the kill of thee, for thy wit is weak, and thou art but a laddie. It was only yesterday I used to take thee on my shoulder and carry thee to school. 
Oh, my brother, said I. For Allah's sake, do what I want and go thy gate. And I ripped my garments. When he saw me do this, he took the razor and failed to sharpening it and gave that over stopping it until my senses were all nigh leaving it. Then he came up to me and shaved part of my head. Then he held his hand and then he said, Oh, my lord, haste is Satan's gate whilst patience is of Allah, the compassionate. But thou, O oh my master, I can thee knowest not my rank, for verily this hand alighteth upon the heads of kings and emirs and wazirs and sages and doctors learned in the law. And the poet said of one like me, All crafts are like necklaces strung on a string, but this barber's the union pair of the band. High over all craftsmen he ranketh, and why the heads of the kings are under his hand. Do leave off talking about what I concerneth thee not. Indeed thou hast greatened my breast and distracted my mind. Meseems thou art a hasty man. Yes, yes, yes. I read the practice restraint of thyself, for haste is Satan's pelf, which bequeatheth only repentance and ban and bane, and he, upon whom all blessings and peace, hath said, The best of worth is that deliberation But I, by Allah, have some doubt about thine affair, and so I should like thee to let me know what it is that thou art in such haste to do, for I fear me it is other than good. It wanteth three hours yet to pray time, but I do not wish to be in doubt upon this matter. Nay, I must know the moment exactly, for truly, a guest shot in times of doubt oft brings harm about, especially in the like of me, a superior person whose merits are famous among mankind at large, and it doth not befit me to talk at random, as do the common sort of astrologers. So saying, he threw down the razor, and taking up the astrolabe, he went toward under the sun, and stood there a long time, after which he returned, and counting on his fingers, said to me, there remains still to pray time three full hours and complete, neither more nor yet less, according to the most learned astronomicals and the wisest makers of almanacs. Allah upon thee, hold thy tongue with me, for thou breakest my liver in pieces. So he took the razor, and after sharpening it as before, and shaving other two hairs on my head, he again held his hand and said, I am concerned about thy hastiness, and indeed thou wouldst do well to let me into the cause of it. Were the better for thee, as thou knowest that neither thy father nor thy grandfather ever did a single thing save by my advice. When I saw that there was no escape from him, I said to myself, The time for prayer draws near, and I wish to go to her before the foam come out of the mosque. If I am delayed much longer, I know not how to come at her. Uh, be quick and stick this talk and impertinence, for I have to go to be a party at the house of some of my intimates. When he heard me speak of the party, he said, This day is a blessed day for me. In very sooth, it was but yesterday I invited a company of my friends, and I have forgotten to provide anything for them to eat. This very moment I was thinking of it. Alas, how I shall be disgraced in their eyes. Uh, do not be distressed about this matter. Have I not told thee that I am bidden to an entertainment this day? So everything in my house, eatable and drinkable, shall be thine. If thou wilt only get through thy work and make haste to shave my head. Allah requite thee with good. Specify to me what is in thy house for my guests, that I may be aware of it. Five dishes of meat and ten chickens with reddened breasts and a roasted lamb. Set them before me, that I may see them. So I told my people to buy, borrow, or steal them, and bring them in any wise, and had all this set before him. When he saw it, he cried, the wine is wanting. 
I have a flagon or two of good old grape juice in the house. Have it brought out? So I went for it, and he exclaimed, By Allah, I will not take it till I see all that is in it. Allah bless thee for a generous disposition. But there are still the essences and perfumes. So I bade him set before him a box containing none, the best of compound perfumes, together with fine line aloes, ambergris, and musk unmixed. The whole were fifty dinars. Now the time walks straight, and my heart strained with it. So I said to him, Take it all, and finish shaving my head by the life of Muhammad, whom Allah bless and keep. By Allah, I will not take it till I see all that is in it. So I bade the page open the box, and the barber laid down the astrolabe, leaving the greater part of my head unpulled, and sitting on the ground, turned over the saints and part incense and the aloes wood and essences till I was well nigh distraught. Then he took the razor and coming up to me, shaved off some few hairs and repeated these lines. The boy like his father shall surely show as the tree from its parent root shall grow. Uh, then said he, <laughs> By Allah, O my son, I know not whether to thank thee or thy father, for thy entertainment this day is all due to thy bounty and beneficence. And although none of my company be worthy of it, Yet I have a set of honorable men, to wit Sandhut the bathkeeper, and Salihah the corn chandler, and Silat the bean seller, and Akrash the green grocer, and Omayyad the scavenger, and Saeed the camelman, and Suwayad the porter, and Abu Makarish the bathman, and Kasim the watchman, and Karam the groom. There is not among the whole of them a boar or a bully in his cups, nor a meddler, nor a miser of his money, and each and every hath some dance which he danceth, and some of his own couplets of which he shall careth. And the best of them is that, like thy servant, thy slave here, they know not what much talking is, nor what forwardness is. The bathkeeper sings to the tom-tom a song which enchants, and he stands up and dances and chants. I am As for the corn chandler, he brings more skill to it than any. He dances and sings. Oh, dear. Oh, sweet And he leaves no one's vitals sound for laughing at him. But the scavenger sings so that the birds stop to listen to him and dances and sings. These my white horses love no <laughs> and he hath privilege, for it is a shrewd robe and a witty. And speaking of his excellence, I want to say, My life for the scavenger, right well I loved him. Like a waving bough, he is sweet to my sight. Fate joined us one night, when to him quoth I, The while I grew weak and love gained more might. Thy love burns my heart. And uh, no wonder, quoth he. When the drawer of dust turns a stoker white. And indeed, each is perfect in what so can charm the wit with joy and jollity. I think presently. But hearing is not seen. And indeed, if thou make up thy mind to join us and put off going to thy friends, it will be better for us and for thee. The traces of illness are yet upon thee, and happily thou art going among folk who be mighty talkers, men who commune together of what concerneth them not, and there may be amongst them some forward fellow who will split thy head, and thou half thy size from sickness. This shall be some for some other day. I laugh with heart, anger, finish thy work and go, in almighty Allah's guard to thy friends, for they will be expecting thy coming. Oh my lord. I seek only to reintroduce thee to these fellows of infinite mirth, 
the sons of men of Orth, amongst whom there is neither procacity, nor dicacity, nor loquacity. For never, since I grew to years of discussion, would I endure to consort with those who asketh questions concerning what concerneth them not, nor have I ever frequented any save those who are, like myself, men of few words. In sooth, if thou wert to company with them, or even see them once, thou wouldst forsake all thy intimates. Allah fulfill the joys with him, said I. Needs must I come amongst thee some day or other. Would it were this very day, for I had set my heart upon thy making one of us. Yet if thou must go to thy friends today, I will take these good things, wherewith thou hast honored and favored me, to my guests, and leave them to eat and drink, and not wait for me, whilst I will return to thee in haste, and accompany thee to thy little party. For there is no ceremony between me and my intimates to prevent my leaving them. Fear not. I will soon be back with thee, and when with thee, whithersoever thou wendest. There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Go thou to my friends, and make merry with them, and do not me go to mine, and be with them this day, for they expect thee. I will not let thee go alone. When truth is none can enter where I am going, save myself. I suspect that today thou art for an assignation with some woman, else thou hast taken me with thee. I am the right man to take, one who could aid thee to the end thou wishest. But I fear me, thou art running after strange women, and thou wilt lose thy life. For in this our city of Baghdad, one cannot do anything in this line, especially on a day like Friday. Our governor is an angry man, and a mighty sharp blade. Shame on thee, thou wicked, bad old man. Be off! What words are these thou givest me? O cold of wit, thou sayest to me what is not true, and thou hidest thy mind from me. But I know the whole business for certain, and I seek only to help thee this day with my best endeavor. I was fearful lest my people or my neighbors should hear the barber's talk. So I kept silence for a long time, whilst he finished shaving my head, by which time the hour of prayer was come, and the kutbah or sermon was about to follow. When he had done, I said to him, Go to thy friend, and with their meat and drink, and I will return, I will await their return. Then we will fare together. In this way I hope to pour oil on troubled waters, and to trick the accursed moon. So happily I might get rid of him, might quit of him. But he said, Thou art cozening me, and thou wouldst go along to thy appointment, and cast thyself into jeopardy, whence there will be no escape for thee. Now by Allah, and again by Allah, do not go until I return, that I may accompany thee and watch the issue of thine affair. Uh, it will not be long absent. Then he took all the meat and drink I had given him, and the rest of it, and went out of my house. But the accursed Carl gave it in charge of a porter to carry to his home, but hid himself in one of the alleys. As for me, I rose on the instant, for the Muslims had already called the Salaam of Friday, the salute to the Apostle. And I dressed in haste and went out alone, and hurrying to the street, took my stand by the house wherein I had seen the young lady. I found the old woman on guard at the door awaiting me, and went up to her to the upper story, the damsel's apartment. Hardly had I reached it, when behold, the master of the house returned from prayers, and entering the great saloon, closed the door. I looked down from the window, and saw this barber, Allah's curse upon him, sitting over against the door, and said, How did this devil find me out? 
at this very moment as if Allah had decreed for rending my veil of secrecy. It so happened that a handmaid of the house master committed some offense for which he beat her. She shrieked out of us and her slave ran into her seat for her. Whereupon the company beat him to boot. And he also brought out the damned boxer fancied that it was I who was being So he also fell to shouting and tore his garments and scattered dust on him and kept on shrieking and crying. Help! Help! So the people came round about him and he went on yelling. My master is being murdered in the Kazi's house! Then he was clamoring to my place with the folk after him and told the my people and servants and slaves. And before I knew what he was doing, up they came, tearing their clothes and letting loose their hair and shouting. And this barber leading the round Close right and in sorriest plight, and he also shouting like a madman and saying, And as for our murdered masters, and then all made an assault upon the house in which I was in. The Kazi, hearing the yells and the uproar at his door, said to one of his servants, See what is the matter. And the man went forth and returned and said, Oh, my master, at the gate there are more than 10,000 souls with what with men and women, and all crying out, When the great Kazi heard this, the matter seemed serious and he rushed wrong. So he rose and opening the door saw a great crowd of people. Whereat he was astounded and said, Oh, folk, what is there to do? And my servants replied, Oh, at last, oh, dog, oh, hand, oh, rescue the master. Oh, good folk, and what has your master done to me that I should kill you? And Shahrazad conceived the dawn of day. servants beat him and they did so. By Allah, none shall judge between us and thee but the Caliph. Or else do thou bring out our master, that his folk may take him, before they go in and save him perforce from thy house, and thou be put to shame. Then said the Kazi, as his tongue was bridled and his mouth was stopped by confusion before his people. Whereupon the barber pushed forward and entered the house. When I saw this, I looked about for a means of escape and flight, but saw no hiding place except a great chest in the upper chamber where I was. So I got into it and put the lid down upon myself and hid my breath. The barber was hardly in the room before he began to look about for me, then turned him right and left and came straight to the place where I was, and stepped up to the chest and lifting it on its head. 
made off as fast as he could. At this, my reason forsook me, for I knew that he would not let me be. So I took courage and opening the chest, threw myself to the ground. My leg was broken in the fall, and the door being open, I saw a great concourse of people looking in. Now I carried in my sleeve much gold and some silver, which I had provided for an ill day like this, and the like of such occasions. So I kept scattering it amongst the folk to divert their attention from me. And whilst they were busy scrambling for it, I set off, hoping as fast as I could, through the streets of Baghdad, uh, shifting and turning right and left. But whithersoever I went, the damned barber would go in after me, crying aloud. They would have bereft me of my master. They would have slain him, who is the benefactor to me and my family and my friends. Praised be Allah, who made me prevail against them and delivered my lord from their hands. Then to me... Where wilt thou go now? Thou wouldst persist in following thine own evil devices, till thou broughtest thyself to this ill pass, and had not Allah vouchsafed me to thee, ne'er hast thou escaped straight into this which thou hast fallen, for they would have cast thee into a calamity whence thou never couldst have won free. But I will not call thee to account for thine ignorance, as thou art of so little wit and inconsequential and addicted to hastiness. So I said to him, Doth not what thou hast brought upon me suffice? But thou must run after me and talk me such talk in the bizarre streets? And I well nigh gave up the ghost for excess of rage against him. Then I took refuge in the shop of a weaver, a middlemost of the market, and sought protection of the owner who drove the barber away. And sitting in the back room, I said to myself, And if I return home, I shall never be able to get rid of the curse of a barber, who will be with me night and day, and I cannot endure this night as it is even for a breathing space. So I went out at once, four witnesses, and made a will, dividing the greater part of my property among my people, and appointed a guardian over them, to whom I committed the charge of great and small, directing him to sell my house's domains. Then I set out on my travels, that I might be free of this pin, and I came to settle in your town, where I have lived for some time. When you invited me and I came hither, the first thing I saw was this accursed pander, seated in the place of honor. How then can my heart be glad and my stay be pleasant in company with this fellow who brought all this upon me and who was the cause of the breaking of my leg and of my exile from home and native land? And the youth refused to sit down and went away. When we heard his story, continued the tailor, we were amazed beyond measure and amused and said to the barber, By Allah, is it true what this young man saith of thee? By Allah, I judge thus of him of my courtesy and sound sense of generosity. Had it not been for me, he had perished, and none but I was the cause of his escape. Well, it was for him that he suffered in his leg and not in his life. Had I been a man of many words, a meddler, a busybody, I had not acted thus kindly by him. But now, I will tell you a tale which befell me, that you may be well assured I am a man sparing of speech, in whom is no forwardness, and a very different person from those six brothers of mine. And this it is, the barbarous tale of himself. Sir Richard Burton's timeless classic 1001 Arabian Nights features Tom Karen as Jewish physician, Rahul Kurup as Mamluk, landlord, pawnbroker, syndic, wazir, and barber's friends. 
Mark Rowland as Prince Without Hand, Luke Elliott as Father, Lynn Hibbert as Uncles and Chief, Kim Lynn Tran as Felicitas Damsel, Lee Turner as Governor, Sultan of China, Edwin Rong Tiong, Marguerite as Sherzad, Zaid Patterson as Taylor, Joey Selleck as Host and Voice of the Prophet, Sean Young as Barber, Miriam Bowden as Wazir's daughter, Reese Myers as Wazir and Barber's father, Heidi Taming as Old Crone, John Longshaw as Wazir's retainer, Stephanie Longshaw as Poet, Steve Atwell, Prince with Lame Leg, Music by Derek and Brandon Fighter, Soundtrack Score, Desert City by Kevin McLeod, Eerie Ambience by Richard McCulver, Mystery Oriental by FSM Team, Scapegoat, Pyramids of Mars, and Assume the Death Posture. Traditional pieces from Satunaman and Xera. Sound effects from freesound.org. Opening and ending credits theme Inner In by Steve Irwin. And Arabian Adventures by Music Bakery. Licensed by Audiospark.com. Desert Gems Audios, mixed and produced by Stephanie Longshaw. Copyright 2016. All rights reserved. <laughs>